Hey, we had a busy weekend. Um, first of all, we want to welcome back our ladies from the retreat from last weekend. Glad that you're, woo, yeah, there you go. Uh, great things, and we'll hopefully have a little update up on that in the weeks to come. We'll give you kind of an update on that, but it was just great to hear all the things that took place. Yesterday, this room was transformed, plus the Fellowship Hall, into Giftique. And this place was full and packed, and people were in here. And, and, and just so good to see all the pictures and to see what's going on. So if you get a hold of Vicki, give her a big squeeze for all the work, all that she did to make it happen. It was just beautiful, and we want to see that, all right? And by the way, be with Artie, because he's had to put up with Vicki. So just, you know, that whole, how that all works. Hey, Rooted Group, we were able to be a part of Make a Difference Day. Our Rooted Group, we were doing a service project over here in Newark. It was so good. We got a team up with a, with a Girl Scout troop, and it was just awesome. So uh, just proud of our, our Rooted Group. Also, yesterday morning from, from Cedars, a group went over to the Second Chance Shelter and fed the people over there and got to bless them as well. And then finally, um, uh, over at the Rodriguez's, we had a cooking uh, class for our junior hires led by Catherine, who's one of our home church ladies. And I just if you haven't seen the videos, go online on Facebook of all these kids cooking and learning how to cook. It was just awesome. Uh, we were busy. Uh, that was a lot of things going on on one day, all right? Also, right now, as we speak, uh, over at Chick-fil-A on Maori, Barry Taimani's church is meeting there for the first time today. They were opened up the doors for them, so they get to have that and hopefully get out of the, hopefully the coming rains in the wintertime. So that was just a blessing that is happening. So uh, no chicken for sale, no chicken for sale, still closed on Sunday, but church is happening, all right? Um, but we just wanted you to be aware of that. All right. Are you guys ready? <laughs> Don't say it too quickly. Uh, let me pray real quick. Let's get into today's message. Heavenly Father, may your word come alive today. We need it so desperately. And I pray this in the name of uh, your beautiful son. Amen. So we have been going through this series called Equipped. 36 weeks. And uh, we're at week uh, 35. I mean, sorry, 34? No? Yeah, 34? And uh, we have a couple weeks left to go. But I want you to know that I have been praying for this uh, message. We started off, by the way, all the verses are on version. If you want to get that, you can go to the events app. All the verses are there. We started back uh, beginning of the year, this idea of that we're all disciples. I'm going to be talking about that. You will be a disciple to the day you die, and then you follow Jesus, and that's what you do. And then in that, you move to this idea of God's word, that he gave us his word, how to live, who he is, what he's about. Then he calls us to be a servant, that he's called us to be in this place of servant Hood, that we serve each other and we serve those around us. We looked at our prayer life, that he's given us a way for us to communicate with him, for us to know what he wants in our lives. And then we looked at this idea of sacrifice, to live sacrificially. And for the last few weeks, we've been looking at this idea of discipler. And I just want to say to you that in this, um, this is the day that if uh, this could come off almost like a pep rally, and I don't want it to be, meaning, hey, get out there and really share the gospel. The problem with the pep rally idea is that the pep rally at some point wears off. What we want to talk about is this place where we understand what God has called us to look at and this idea of what we've been looking for. So again, we asked you to say, okay, who's in your inner circle? Who's that 8 to 15 people that you begin to pray for? And then we looked at this idea that you live among them, which means you live out your life in front of them. We talked about that last week. And, and you're going to where they are, and you're, you're living that life. But today, 
But today is this place. This place where you have to, at some point, open your mouth and tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that I will show you through Scripture, there is something about this moment when you actually proclaim the good news of Jesus, but it becomes difficult for us because I do believe it is a vulnerable state, a vulnerable place, where we finally say to those around us, this is what I believe and this is who I am. But at some point in this whole journey, we can have programs and we can live among people, but at some point you got to look at those people that you love and you got to tell them the good news. So let's open this up. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says this, go therefore and make disciples. If you're going to make disciples, that means you are a disciple-er. You're making disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. That is the other part, is that we're in this process of helping them understand who Jesus is, understand what truth is, understand all the elements of it. But to do that, you have to have that conversation with them. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So in this journey, there's this moment where you're going to say, look, you are going to have to have these conversations. Now, to do that, I want to start with a passage. I want to start with a passage I think that's going to help us greatly. It's Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Now, let me say this to you. I think one of the reasons why we struggle sometimes to actually share God's word is because sometimes we are bothered by all the stuff that has gotten bolted on to who Jesus is. And so in doing so, sometimes you're going, man, if I open up that door, then I got to answer for the televangelist. I got to answer for the person that screams with a bullhorn. I got to answer for the person who is so legalistic or, or holds up horrible signs. But I want you to read that again. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. At its essence, this is what I want you to understand. I'm not ashamed that the good news that Jesus Christ would come down from heaven, live amongst us so, he would under, so we could see that he knows what it's like to be us. Teach us, sit, t- give us the way, be willing to die for us, raise again, and now sits at the, heaven, the right hand of the Father advocating for me, fighting for me. That is good news, amen? That's what we talk about. That's what we are connected to. Is that God? I'm not ashamed of that gospel at all. Do you understand me? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That God would love me that much that he would come and die for me. That he would give me a way to have access to the Father. Sin separated me from him. But the cross makes it possible for me to have access to the Father. That is the good news. That is the gospel, that he would come and say, Jeff, for you, I die. For you, I want to give hope. That is the gospel. And I understand, I understand that in the process, sometimes it's like there's all these things, though, that begin to be bolted onto that. It's true, it's been happening for generations. 
we start with a simple gospel and then all of a sudden through tradition or through uh, liturgy or through all these things, we add all of this stuff to it and it becomes difficult sometimes to remember at the essence it is a simple gospel. Now, I want you to know something. I grew up in a church in West Texas. That means I had stained glass, wooden pews. Remember I told you about those elders' chairs that would sit up front and a pipe organ. And that's how I learned about Jesus. I grew up singing the old rugged cross. That's what I knew. And by the way, if that song comes on, you have to understand it touches my heart. But we can easily turn around and say, well, the only way you can come to Jesus is if you're sitting in a wooden pew looking at stained glass and singing the old rugged cross. Because it's easier for me to bolt that stuff onto that and say, that's what true Christianity looks like. In all reality, my boys grew up with songs that touched their hearts. And when they hear those songs, it touches them. And by the way, they're not touched by the old rugged cross the way that I am. Because the, what happens is, is that God meets people in different ways. Because that's the gospel. But if I told my boys, no, you must listen to the old rugged cross, that's the only song, or that song from that genre is the only time you're going to know, I could miss it. And so what happens is we miss some of the issues of, of we try to say, no, what Jesus really likes is this style of music. Do you know something? I don't know if you know this or not. The pipe organ, when it came to the church, the church resisted it because they thought it was the world coming into the church. The pipe organ. Does that sound familiar? It just keeps repeating, folks. What do we think the new is? I remember when we went to projecting songs up on the wall. I almost had a church split over it. I'm not kidding. Because we weren't using the hymnal. But what happens is we miss sometimes the fact that, by the way, I love the hymnal. But we miss sometimes we can make those things more sacred. And what we're doing is we're bolting on to things where we go, wait a minute, let's pause. What's the gospel? Jesus Christ came as a baby, born of a virgin, so that I might have life. That's the good news. So when you have Paul write, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And what we need to understand is, is that yes, churches can look different. Some pastors wear robes, some pastors wear suits, some pastors wear this. But the idea is this, is his name proclaimed? Is the good news preached? Is truth uplifted? And is hope given to a people who are lost? See, that's what I want us to understand. Are we ashamed of the gospel? Because at some point, you're going to have to look at somebody and go, yes, I believe what I'm telling you. I believe in a book that was written thousands of years ago. I believe the truth that is found in it. I believe in the God who would come and would send his son to be a sacrifice. I believe in a virgin birth. I believe that he has come and set his church up and said, listen, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I believe these things. And so in doing so, what we do is we share the gospel. But what the problem is, is that people come in and go, well, what about, and what about, and what about? You go, no, 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 I get that. We'll get there. Let's just start with the good news of Jesus Christ. But you've got to be able to speak into that moment. I want to show you this. 
This is 2 Timothy verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. This is the section. We're only going to deal with verses 8 and 12. You can read through and see the context. But I want to show you verses 8 through 12. This is Paul writing to Timothy, by the way. Therefore, I do not, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry for it. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Not only am I not ashamed of the gospel, I'm not ashamed of the testimony about our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, the his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel and the power of God. But if you jump down to verse 12, it says this, which is why I suffer as I do. All that stuff in between is why he's suffering. Watch, for, watch what happens though. But I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. If you believe that Jesus Christ has set you free, do not be ashamed when you get the opportunity to tell someone about your story. This is who I was before I met Jesus. This is what my life was about. I met him, and this is what he's done with me. I'm not ashamed of what Jesus has done in my life. I'm not ashamed of the person who would die on the cross. I'm not ashamed of my Lord. I'm not ashamed of the one that would give me hope and give me life. There are so many people that are looking for hope. They're looking for a way out, and you have it. Do not be ashamed of the one that would die for your sins. Do not be ashamed. And that's what it's talking about. It says, I am convinced that he is able to guard until the day and uh, the day what has been entrusted to me. So if we're going to come to this moment where we want you to know who your inner, your inner circle is, that 8 to 15, we want you to live among them. There's going to be a moment where you're going to have to sit down and look at them and go, look, can we talk about this? Can I tell you the good news? Can I tell you why I do what I do? Can I tell you why God transformed my life? And it's because of the person of Jesus Christ who I am not ashamed of. And I want you to know about. I want to share this with you. I do think, though, that when you get to that moment, that vulnerable moment where you're going to tell someone your story and you're going to tell them who Jesus is, there is a hesitation, and we've all felt it. I don't know if we feel like we're going to look silly. I don't know if we were, we're going to feel like we don't have the right words. It's just going to be this awkward moment. Let me kind of make it simple for you. Have you ever been to a restaurant that, that for the next couple of weeks you told everybody about? Like you went to a place, you're like, I got to tell them, oh, it's amazing, right? Here's what you did. You went to a place you had an experience. That experience really touched you. You went to somebody else and said, look, because of this experience, I want you to go experience what I experienced. That's all you did. You had an experience at a restaurant. You really enjoyed it. It touched you. You told other people, this is what I experienced. I think you should go experience. That's all this is in telling other people. I experienced Jesus Christ. It has touched my life, and I want you to experience what I've experienced. It's this moment of just saying, look, something happened in me. It's my story, but I want you to have a story as well. But that moment of vulnerability becomes difficult. Watch this. This is Colossians 4, verses 3 through 6. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. This is Paul. By the way, you're going to find out he's in chains saying, hey, I want you to pray that God will open up a door so that we can share God's word. That's what he's praying for. He's asking for opportunity. Look what he says. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Watch this. This is what he's praying for. That I may make it clear 
which is how I ought to speak. When the opportunity comes, I pray that I make it clear. I don't bolt on all the other junk. I don't make it about things that are not important. I make it clear. This is Jesus who saved me, which is how I ought to speak. Verse 5, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best of use of the time. Which means, as I look to someone who's outside of the church, I am looking at them going, how do I best speak to them? I'm going to make use of that time. How do I best speak to them? Watch verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you, uh, know how you ought to answer each person. This was saying, he's saying, look, pray that there's opportunities, but when you speak... Take responsibility. Let your speech be seasoned with salt. Season with salt and be gracious because you get this opportunity to tell the good news. Pray that when you get a chance that, God, would you let my words be useful? Let me think through how I can speak to this person as clearly as I can. But here's also where I want us to get to. Ephesians 6, 19 through 20. It says this. And also for me, meaning this is a prayer, saying pray, pray also for me. That's what was right before that. That words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly. This surprised me the first time I read it. Paul is asking to be bold. Nowhere do I watch the story of Paul and see a lack of boldness. Nowhere. He just seems to be bold. He just goes into situations with boldness. But notice In these moments, what he's asking for is that you pray for him that in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Because I do think that Paul feels that rub that we feel. Like, am I going to do this? Am I going to do it right? Am I going to say what needs to be said? And he says, look, pray for me that when the opportunity comes that I would do so and open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. He's saying, look, I am in chains, but when anyone comes to me, pray that I will be bold in sharing this truth. And that should be a prayer for you, that when you have found out who your 8 to 15 are, you have lived among them, you've been praying for them, when the opportunity comes, pray that you will be bold in stepping into that moment and actually having that conversation. It is a vulnerable moment to say, look, I I, I want you to know, I think this is about your eternity. This is about the truth of what is going to be for your literally afterlife. I want to speak into this person who is Jesus Christ. That he would speak boldly. I want to show you where this actually came to pass. This, by the way, is Paul, who has just been arrested He's been kept in a jail for a couple of years. He finally gets to speak to this guy, Agrippa. Watch what happens in Acts 26, verses 26 through 29. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak what? Boldly. For I am persuaded that none of this has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. Meaning he's watched all of this take place. What is he talking about? He just shared the story of Jesus Christ. The story of Jesus Christ did not happen in a corner. So what he's saying is, look, I'm sure you're pretty aware of this whole thing about this Jesus from Nazareth and what he did. 
He goes, but I want to speak to you boldly about this because he's saying this is life-changing. Watch what happens. This is King Agrippa's response. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. So here he goes in. I know your story, King Agrippa. You do believe in the prophets. So if the prophets were speaking about this Jesus, that's kind of important. Watch Watch King Agrippa's response. Here we go. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And King Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? Here's this question. Do you think, Paul, that having this story that in this short time you can convince me, persuade me to be a Christian? I want you to hear Paul's response. And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am. King Agrippa asked Paul, Paul, do you believe in such a short time you can win me to Jesus? He goes, short or long, you or anyone else, a guard standing over here or someone else who's a servant, I hope that all of them would become who I am besides these chains. Our heart needs to be that when we have spent time with people, we would come to them, look, I want you to have the truth that I have. And by the way, I have my own truth. I want you to have your own truth. I want you to have the assurance of salvation. I want you to know that victory, uh, uh, the victory that, that God has over death, Jesus Christ, who was the sacrifice. And again, short or long, that we would take that opportunity to be bold and finally say to him, listen, this is the truth that you need to know. This is the truth that you need to struggle through. At some point, at some point, we've got to have this conversation. And folks, I understand, once you put it out there, it's out there. Then you're the Christian. You get labeled with that tag. You get labeled with that statement. And yes, you are responsible then how you live that life out. But are you ashamed of the gospel? Are you ashamed of the one who set you free? Are you ashamed of the one that gave you life In Acts chapter 8, verse 35, we have a story of Philip who is told to go run alongside this chariot of this guy who is a eunuch. He's listening. The guy is actually reading from the book of Isaiah, and he says to them, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy goes, no, I need someone to explain to me. Philip comes up into the chariot, and they have this conversation. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, told him the good news about Jesus. What did Philip tell him? He told him the good news. But let me tell you why I picked this passage, because of this. Then Philip opened his mouth. See, as soon as the question was asked, Philip could have said, well, you know, the next time you're coming through, let's get together and have coffee. Hey, let me give you a pamphlet. Let me send you to a website. No, the guy asked the question, and Philip did what? He opened his mouth. He opened his mouth and then told him the good news. And you can watch through. He told him that Jesus came to give you life. He died so that you could have eternal life. He sits at the right hand of the Father and is now your advocate. He opened his mouth. So I want to give you some other places where people opened their mouths. This is Acts 2.14, talking about Peter. Peter, who, by the way, just before them, 50 days before them, denied Jesus. 
was ashamed of Jesus, said he didn't even know who Jesus was, stands in front of thousands and says this. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. He opened his mouth. And by the end of the day, 3,000 people had given their lives to Jesus Christ. In Acts 7-2, a guy named Stephen, who, by the way, had the job of taking care of widows who were Greek widows. That was his job. But he was powerful and he was learned. He gets brought before this council and, by the way, does this. And Stephen said, brothers and fathers, hear me. Hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. And from there he goes on to give the whole story of how God used Israel to bring about Jesus Christ. And then he tells the good news. In Mark 5.20, there's a bloody naked guy living in the tombs that Jesus goes across the sea and speaks to. He heals him, casting the demons into, a pit, into some pigs. And then he says to the man, hey, go tell your family what I have done for you. One guy. And Jesus gets on a boat and goes back. One guy. And when he went away, he began to proclaim in the Decapolis. He didn't go back to his family. He went back to the ten connected cities in his area. To proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. He just told his story. He just told his story. I was bloody, naked, living in tombs, and this Jesus came and set me free. And told the ten surrounding cities. Acts 10, 34, back to Peter. Peter goes to a group of Gentiles and says this. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality and begins to teach the Gentiles the good news of Jesus Christ. At some point, folks, with your neighbor, your classmate, your friend, you've got to sit down with them and go, can I tell you my story? The story of good news that happened to me, and it's good news for you if you'll accept it. Folks, it's not going to happen by osmosis. You've got to say something. And I'll illustrate it with this story. When I was in Bible college, I, uh, uh, I worked for UPS. And uh, like most big companies, every day that we went without, a, without an injury, they put money into a little kitty for us. And we got to enough days, they would take us all out to dinner. So I think we made it to like 150 days without an injury. And so they took us all to dinner. And so there's probably, went to a restaurant, there's probably about 20 of us or so sitting around. Um, and and I, they all know that I went to Bible college. Uh, but the way it started was they went to take the drink orders. And they started with a person with my left, which means I was going to be the last one. Does that make sense? It was going to go all the way around the table. Again, this is not an al- against an alcohol issue. This is just the reality of it was just alcohol, beer, this, 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 all the way through. And all of a sudden, I'm getting tense because all of a sudden, I'm going to be the one guy, right, that orders a, orders a, a soda. Does that make sense? Like, all of a sudden, I'm going to be the one left out kind of a deal. So they go all the way around, and they got to me, and I said, yes, I would like a Dr. Pepper, which, by the way, is the best drink out there, just so you are aware so I ordered my Dr. Pepper, and, 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 and by the way, and this is what happened. All of a sudden, guy in chair number three goes, hey, can I have a Coke? And the guy in chair number nine says, hey, can I have a soda? All of a sudden, all these other guys who, by the way, under the pressure had ordered alcohol, all of a sudden, there's a whole group of them that changed their orders. 
Why? Because one person made it okay. By the end of the night, chairs moved. We're now down here at this end of the table. This is happening at this end of the table. But this conversation became beautiful because now all of a sudden the question becomes like, so why are you going to Bible college and what are you doing and what's happening from all that? And all it was is for me ordering a Dr. Pepper, a whole conversation happened that night. And I want you to know there's more people around you that would love to share the gospel. If, by the way, you would step up and just share your story, they would jump onto that as well. But they're, they're afraid. Share your story. Step into those moments. Let people know the truth. In 1 Thessalonians 2.8, we read this. So being affectionately desirous of you. I love that sentence. So to be affectionately being especially desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. So that's a part of it. You just don't go to people and share the gospel. You're sharing you. Because in sharing you, it makes sense of the gospel because maybe your life transformed. You're not the same person that you were. Jesus actually started changing the things in your life to share with you not only the gospel, but also our own selves because you become very dear to us. So we've done this whole series. And again, this could be a pep rally, but I don't want it to be a pep rally. I want to be who you are, that you say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And I'm going to live my life among those who are around me. And when the opportunity comes, I'm going to hold, pray for boldness. And I'm going to step into that place and I'm going to stare, tell the story of what has happened in my life and let them know they can have that too. One of the things that we do, and, I, and I'm just going to tell you, is we go, oh, I'm going to invite people to church so that Jeff can tell them about the gospel. No. You tell them the gospel. Let them come to church and have me agree with what you've already told them. Our last passage is Romans 10, 8 through 15. Romans 10, 8 through 15. But what does it say? You're going to get the gospel message here just in this. Watch this. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. The word is in you, it's in your mouth and in your heart. Let me tell you something. What you need to tell people is already here. This is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But this is what I want us to get to, verses 14 and 15. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Folks, they're not going to hear unless you tell them. They're not gonna hear, they're, you're not going to tell them unless you go. You have got to be in a place that you have sat to them and said, look, 
okay, here we go. We're going to have this conversation. Some of you guys know a guy named Matt Chandler. He's one of the guys I listen to online. If you want to listen to an amazing uh, communicator, Matt Chandler is out of Texas. He moved into a new house, walked over, introduced him to, walked over, introduced himself to his neighbor, said, hey, my name is Matt Chandler. I'm the pastor of the Village Church. By the way, the Village Church runs thousands of people. The guy kind of knew who he was. Shook hands with him. He said, here's the deal. I'm a pastor of the church. We're going to have this conversation. Do you want to have it now or do you want to have it later? Because he told the neighbor, it's going to happen. I'm not going to sit next to, I'm not going to move in next to you and not tell you about Jesus. When do you want to have this conversation? How do we get in people's lives and go, look, I love you. Because I love you, we're going to have this conversation. You want to have it now or do you want to have it later? But I'm not going to have you in my life and not have you know what matters most to me. It'd be like me meeting someone and going, hey, you're going to meet my wife. Because she matters to me. You're going to meet my wife. Can you imagine if I said, you're, someone says, are you married? Yeah, you don't have to meet her. She's not important. No, it's like, like you're going to meet her now or you're going to meet her later. You're going to meet the most important person in my life. Besides Jesus Christ. Folks, we got to have these conversations. If he is the one who has set you free, if he is the one that has given you hope for eternity, if he is the one that has transformed your life, and you are not ashamed of him or his gospel, then the people in your life, you need to say, I'm not ashamed. We're going to have this conversation. And by the way, we're going to have it because I love you. And you matter to me. And I'm going to be bold when I tell you. Because this is hope. And this is life. Church, go out and start to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Make disciples, teaching them so that they can have life. And with that, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your truth. We thank you that you come to us and desire us that we are the mouthpiece, that we get to give this incredible treasure in this jar of clay. We get to tell people of your son who came and died and lived among us so that we would know what it was like to have him be one of us. And yet he is without sin. Yet he died for us and took our sin away. He sits now at your right hand and he is advocating for me at this very moment. Heavenly Father, make us bold. Make us strong into teaching, telling other people of the truth that is in them. Father, I don't, I don't save anybody. All I do is I tell them of the truth and then you take care of it from there. Let us be ones that plant a seed or we water a seed or may we be a part of the harvest. But Father, would you let us be a part of telling the good news of Jesus Christ to those who are around us. Father, you have given us a message. You've given a message of hope. May we share it. And I pray this in the name of your son. Amen.